Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmill, a pirate raving his way through the depths of 40K. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. He's been on the podcast before, so he's no stranger to these warp tides of this show. He was second place player at the 2022 Las Vegas Open and won Best in Faction for Custodes, though he's also well-known and feared for his skill with the Eldari. He's a coach and faction specialist for Vanguard Tactics, and today, he's showing his darker side, turning from the light of the Emperor to help me reeve these roiling waters. He is the Hector Barbosa to my Jack Sparrow, Mr. Matt Laura. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. How's it going? It's going great. I've been working on my brand new Corsair army. Uh, yeah, and uh, I gotta say, I love the uh, the the photos you sent me of uh, of what you're working on. That you know, despite the fact that they are red Corsairs, you went with a green color scheme, and I think it looks awesome. Yeah, so there's actually a tiny, tiny tidbit of lore that I left out that I'll save in just for this. They're actually uh, traitor mantis warriors that followed Huron during the Badab War, and I used mantis warrior green. That is awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's that makes it even better. And so when people want to get snobby with you at tournaments, you can say, "Oh, you, but they're red corsairs." You can say, "No, they're traitor mantis warriors." Yep, so, and they followed Huron and were part of the red corsair fleet. That is awesome. That's even that makes it even better. So uh, for those of you who uh, are you know travel the uh, the tournament circuit in the uh, American Northeast, you uh, if you run into a you go to a tournament, you have a good chance of seeing Matt's uh, red corsair army. Uh, coming up sometime soon so uh, and then if you actually have to face it god be with you um <laughs> so uh before we get too far into this uh, i gotta do a big shout out and a thank you to siege studios for continuing to sponsor our podcast if you need anything commissioned painted uh look no further than siege studios and if you are uh happen to be in the area or you know are going to certain events make sure that you look into some of their uh art classes siege studio is just starting to do classes again for uh you know big at conventions and such and they will do online uh tutoring i actually had my second class today with james from siege studios and helping me continue to work on my uh on my tau uh tron based theme uh color scheme so great stuff incredibly talented artists james is a great guy thank you for sponsoring our show and uh thank you for um all the help you gave me today so uh, the VT Academy is currently in process, so I won't go too far into that. I'm not sure when the next class is starting. I think it won't be for another month or so. Uh, and with that, everybody, please, uh, if you continue to like the sound of my raspy voice, desperately in need of a drink of water, uh, please like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Uh, we appreciate all of the support. You guys are continuing to shower on us. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find Steven uh, on Instagram at, at the Vanguard Tactics. You can find me on Instagram at, at @infantrylawyer, uh, and don't forget you can also go to www.vanguardtactics.com to get more information about the academy as well as on the YouTube channel. Uh, and for those interested in, in uh, wanting to um, interact with Matt a little bit, he's not really a social media guy, but he can be found stalking the dark halls of Discord. So if you get into um, certain Discord channels, particularly the Vanguard Tactics one, if you become a community member and a supporter, and you're in our Discord, you can find Matt there. So. Uh, with that, the rules lawyer segment, and we're going to, um, I don't, nobody sent me any questions this week. I think I have a couple backlogged I haven't find, but I was in kind of rush setting this up. So no rules lawyer this week. Sorry. Um, I did want to, uh, oh, Matt, what um, events are you going to soon? You got anything coming up? Uh, yeah, I got the um, the Flames of Autumn GT and um, Tables and Towers in Maryland. 
Uh, and I have the Nova open uh, soon after that in the first week of September. Awesome. And then the Flames of Autumn is, when's that one? I believe it is the 22nd of August. Don't quote me on that. It's it's that area of the month. Okay. <laughs> Sometime in late August. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will, and of course, I got to get it, get better at planning these ahead because I always forget that I, I get this information out and then um, I, I record it the weekend before things are happening and then people don't even hear about it till the week after. So for those of you who happen to hear this, um, we're not probably dropping this episode for another week, but um, I am going to Lone Star Open in Dallas this weekend. My wife and I will be there. So um, hopefully some of you will see uh, or will, by the time you hear this, will have seen um, us in our uh, Vanguard Tactics jerseys and came over and said hi. So uh, we always like to meet new people and, and uh, you know anybody who's a fan of Vanguard Tactics, uh, I am a fan of. So we appreciate you. Uh, and with that, Matt, let us talk about the pirates, the true pirates, not those filthy pointy ears. The true pirates of of 40k, the Red Corsairs. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite armies, both lore-wise and playstyle-wise for Chaos. I, uh, I'm a huge Word Bearer fan, but the playstyle of the Red Corsairs is winning me over. And what and what it you know put it succinctly for the listeners, what is the playstyle of the Red Corsairs? So Red Corsairs have two Legion traits. They have um, which. They shouldn't call Legion traits because Red Corsairs aren't a Legion like all the other ones. They should be called right. something else. I just realized that. But uh, I digress. The first one is the entire army can advance and charge, which is just an amazing rule. Dark Eldar, everyone that has it, they love it. Uh, the second part of it is every single model in the army counts as two models on objectives, and models that are 10 or more wounds count as five. Um, that lends to a very trade-style, objective-focused play where you're advancing, charging onto someone's objective, killing their unit, and outnumbering them on the objective by counting as double. It's a very fast, aggressive-style play that steals objectives away and denies primary. Uh, so do you find that uh, having models count as extra models is a consistent benefit for you? Because, you know, it, that's something that obviously gets overruled by OBSEC, but maybe people aren't leaning enough into OBSEC to make it matter yeah it is a ton of fun um you can do crazy things like um stretching a unit out between two objectives and putting one model on each and if they had one model on each all of a sudden you have two on each and you can steal away two objectives at once i did that the other night with a raptor unit i uh advanced and charged and tagged two tanks and stole away both objectives um you can do things with your characters counting as two. So if someone else tries to put like a, another uh, model on there, you count as two, you hold it. And uh, also just like having 10 Terminators on an objective is 20 Terminator models for the objective purposes. Yeah. And if they don't have OPSEC, if they're not leaning enough into OPSEC, if they're just doing their minimum, you know, MSU three, five man squads of troops just to get their battalion uh, detachment together. That, yeah. I guess your odds are, you know, pretty good that that's going to way overrule whatever um, non-obsec units they're trying to put on objectives. So uh, that's cool. All right, so uh, let's talk warlord traits. There's there's three um, for the for the red corsairs. The warlord traits are super interesting. Um, there's one super strong one, one okay one, 
and one that's just kind of there, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So my favorite is Dark Raider. Um, for those of you that know that I play Eldar a lot, Dark Raider is going to sound like a thing that uh, an Eldar player would love to see in a Chaos book. Um, so Dark Raider is um, once per turn in your shooting phase after shooting with a friendly Red Corsair core unit within six inches of this Warlord. That unit can make a normal move. If it does so, it may not charge later this turn. So it essentially gives a free fire and fade to one of your units every turn. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, and it's so strong. Extra movement in Warhammer is just amazing. Um, you have another Warlord trait that uh, on a 4-up on uh, your command phase gives you a CP, which in the current uh, Nephilim chapter approved, that's not a terrible thing to have. You get one, it pays for itself back. If you get two, hey, you're making profit. Yeah. Um, the third one is just a weaker version of one of the other Warlord traits that are from the generic Chaos Warlord traits. It's just, it's not that great. <laughs> it just gives plus one strength and attack. It's okay. <laughs> There's one that gives plus one strength and attack and reroll hits in the basic section. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, there is there is that generic one that. So yeah, Angel of Hatred. If you made a charge move, work charge or perform a hurricane convention, why would you take that over the? So this one is if you're charged as well, where the other one is only when you're the one being aggressive. So there is oh. a slight benefit, but. Okay. As Red Corsairs with advancing and charging, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to be the one with your assault combat character charging. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that makes sense. Are there any other Warlord traits from the, you know, quote-unquote generic list from the, from the all-comers portion of the Codex that you think are worth sliding um, into a Red Corsairs list? So there's... A couple of good ones. Um, the Flames of Spite and Hatred Incarnate are two of the strongest Warlord traits from the generic portion. I have a super fun Demon Prince loadout that um, I can talk about later if you want uh, that uses one of the generic Warlord traits. Um, but outside of that, the Warlord traits you're pretty much you want Dark Raider. You probably want Reaver Lord, and it depends if you really want to uh, go out for that third CP to get that third Warlord trait. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess with Dark Raider and Reaper Lord you're um yeah. you're 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 pretty well set for starting Warlord traits and in the new Nephilim world that we're living in, you don't want to get too crazy and leave yourself starting on zero CP. Yeah. Um all right, so relics. Um there's the Maelstrom's Bite, Armor of Badab, and Traitor's Laurels. Any of those? I gotta be honest, um it's a great thing that Chaos have some of the best relics in the game and their generic section because um, <laughs> these that was that was one of the best left-handed compliments that I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> well done, Matt. These are um, questionable. Um, <laughs> Maelstrom's Bite is a relic combi melta, and the only character that can take a combi melta that I know of is the Terminator Lord, the Sorcerer Terminator Lord, and the Exalted Champion. Um, that's not great because it also just doesn't synergize with anything else in the book, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I can feel I can feel Adam Camilleri um, dropping this into the same category where he contemptuously drops all relic pistols. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the one Eldar pistol, that's good. All the other relic pistols are about the same category as yeah. uh, this. 
Um, it is cool that you still see it, though. I will give it that. I'm happy it's here, even though it's bad. Because it was the first relic they got when they first got rules uh, back in the day. So okay. it's good to see that it's still here. Um, it's technically still better than it was, because it even... It was actually worse than it was back then. Uh, <laughs> um, but then we have uh, Trader's Laurels, um, which seems okay at first, but then you take a look at uh, what it actually does, and it's just not great as well. Um, it gives plus one attack to the bear, which is fine. Um, it gives a six-inch aura of uh, ignore combat attrition for core units, which is okay, but you're most of the time going to be running five-man squads, so it's not that helpful. And then the last part is, once per battle, you get to do an epic deed stratagem for free. Which you're like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. I get to save some CP. But then you go to the epic deed section. Um, two of them are for vehicles. And the only other two that are left are ones for a priest and ones for a psyker. And specifically a zinch psyker. So, unless you're specifically a zinch psyker or a priest, you can't use... The free CP. <laughs> right. So, so thank you. We appreciate yeah. <laughs> you. You're staying in the book. Yeah. Uh, Armor of Badab is the only one that's got a small bit of possible use to it. it um, it's for a Red Corsair's Terminator model only, which is its biggest limiting factor. Um, it gives a three inch aura um, that does. Core and character units and Terminator units within three inches get a four-up invulnerable save, and non-Terminator models get a five-up invulnerable save. It's okay. Um, it sounds yeah. good in practice, but with Armor of Contempt and Light Cover nowadays, it is a bit redundant. Um, because Terminators have a two-up save, and AP3 goes to AP2 because Armor is a Contempt, which puts them to a four. So unless it's AP4, it's not helping Terminators. Yeah. And that's not that helpful. Yeah. Um, and it's also a 3-inch aura, so kind of have to play really tight. And for an army that has advanced and charge, it kind of goes against what you want to do. Yeah. So, it, again, it's just not that great. We have much better relics in the book. So, again, it's a, it's a pass, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, so two good warlord traits out of three isn't bad. We're 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 over three for relics. What? Yeah. Um, give me one or two of the good relics from the from the the generic portion of the of the codex that you know that you, well, that really kind of sh- shout out to you as auto takes or something that you you want to put that's going to help you as a red corsair. Well, the biggest auto take in the book is the black rune of damnation. Uh, it is a relic that you can give to a unit uh, for one CP. And it gives the entire unit minus one to be wounded. Just all the time. Oh, Every yeah, single chaos army in the game is going to have this relic, no matter the faction. Um, my list has a 10-man unit of Terminators that are minus one to be wounded, and it seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> because what Terminators need is to be harder to be wounded. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's something. And that's not even all it does. It also gives the bear an 18-inch bubble of um, enemy psychers' uh, perils and doubles. Wow. All right. Yeah, that's that's a good relic that you can take on a Terminator uh, sergeant. It seems pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
I have a demon prince um, in my list that uh, I've been actually looking at taking the Nurgle demon weapon on. I've been super oh, excited to test that out. Yeah, so it's um, uh, it becomes a demon weapon. You select one of the model's melee weapons, and it becomes the uh, the weapon. Uh, each time an attack is made with the demon weapon, if a hit is scored, it automatically wounds, and enemy models cannot use any rules to ignore wounds they lose. Yep. So no feel no pains. Uh, feel no pains. I believe you can. It's like damage reduction and damage capping that you don't get. Oh, dreadnoughts. Like you were just about to yep. say with Katan. Okay. Yep. And I combo it with the warlord traits. Um, I believe it is the Hatred Incarnate, which um, if he makes a charge move or performs the Heroic Intervention, so it's the aggressive portion of the Red Corsair one, where right. it only gets the bonuses when he does it, but you also get the reroll hit rolls. So my Demon Prince has seven attacks, um, hitting on twos, rerolling. Um, and if he hits, he auto wounds, and it's AP three damage three, and you don't have damage cap sources. So he's uh, in our new meta of Necrons, looking for a demon prince. Uh, he's looking for a Satan, and I'm gonna send the demon prince after it. Nice, nice. And if he's got the Nurgle demon weapon, I'm assuming that means he's got the Mark of Nurgle, which is gonna make him very resilient. It helps out a little bit, yeah. I, a little bit. I mean, when I mean, I was I haven't played against. New cast Marines yet. I only, you know, when Steve and I were talking about the, uh, when we, we did our, you know, sort of broad strokes review of the, the codex overview uh, last week, the, it seemed like it was pretty good. Like um, the Mark of Nurgle was really good for, you know, so he just was a little word heavy and a little, you yeah, know, dense. the Mark of Nurgle is just awkwardly worded. It is very strong. It's just one of those things where you have to read it like at least twice to like understand what it's trying to say. Uh, it basically subtracts one from the wound roll of an attack that has a strength characteristic equal or double. Right. So basically boil down is you're never going to wound on a two or a four. Right. You're always going to be wounding him on threes or fives or sixes. Okay. Yeah, that's about what I had in my head. It, it that scene that way, which it, you know, is good. I I I thought that it, but he, like even now, like I was thinking that if it was, I thought it was more than or double or equal to. So, warning on threes is still an option. So, which makes it less. It's not quite like I'm surprised they don't just give him transhuman. It would be less complex. Yeah, yeah, it should have just been transhuman. But whatever. All right. Uh, so. Um, and I'm assuming that Demon Prince has wings too. Oh yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? Uh, it's 35 points, I think, or 25 points, something like that. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly it's a it's a it's a little good chunk of change to. It's not a five point upgrade, but it um, is 35. Oh, it's 35. Okay, but still, it is a worthwhile investment, especially for Red Corsairs wanting to advance yeah. charge and get into people's faces and having an advancing down. charging Demon Prince that flies. It's, uh... Pretty right. sweet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, Red Corsairs have four. Um, what are we calling them? They're not legions. What do we call them? The uh, stratagems. Um, yeah, but they got four strats. I was trying to think of what Red Corsairs would be besides a legion. I guess. A oh, they'd be fleet. Um, a corsair fleet. Yeah, or okay. renegades. There you go, renegade. The the Red Corsairs have four stratagems. Secure the prize is the first one for one CP. 
I use the stratagem in any phase. When a raid corsair's core unit from your army is in range of an objective marker, is selected as the target of an attack. Till the end of the phase, each time an attack with a damage characteristic of one is allocated to a model in that unit, add one to any armor saving throw made against that attack. Yeah, th- this one's just amazing. It reinforces that play style of advancing and charging and counting as more models on objectives than your opponent. It's yeah. just going to make that play style better. Uh, I used it against orcs the other night, and they ran in with their AP minus one choppas, and my marines had two up saves versus it. And they did not like it. Oh, I'm sure. And you said, I'm just going to save on two pluses, no matter what. Yeah, because uh, the AP minus one went to AP zero, and then my three, it went to a two up, and it was... Uh, pretty bad <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty awesome um all right what uh rain fire and death is that one something that you're, you're gonna play regularly uh regularly no um there is probably a situation that it can be good it is it's another orbital bombardment stratagem uh similar um it's okay um yeah, the, all the orbital stratagems are pretty much the same. It's no Eldritch Storm, I'll tell you that. Well, right. I mean, it is nice that it's 2 CP instead of the 3 CP yeah. that the Space Rain one costs. So It is. It, that's the only thing that's saving it, honestly. It, yeah. it is right at the cusp of... Well, my, uh, my opponent deployed bad, and they have like 10 units all within range of it. Maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah. Or my opponent put um, a single uh, five-man squad of uh, Dire Avengers uh, or Guardians or something sitting on this one objective. I'm going to place this marker right in the middle of the objective, and he either gets off the objective next turn or I have a chance of w- wiping the squad or at least you know creating it and not, forcing not a route check or something. Not, not even. It, it's going to do D3 Mortal Wounds to him. I was hoping you, you know, I was just thinking optimistically. Make them, make them at least reconsider <laughs> their life choices. Uh, the best part, so the only downside about it is it's, um, you place the marker and then your next command phase it goes off. Right. So what you can do is you can use it more of a denial uh, thing. So like if there's like a choke point that they have to come through with their army to get to an objective, you can place it there. Uh, and then be like, hey, if you want to come try to take this objective from me, everything that's there is going to be taking hits next turn. That's pretty much where I would see use for it, but uh, outside of that, you're probably going to be saving your CP for some other stuff. Okay. All right. Um, and then what about the Hounds of Huron? So the Hounds of Huron is a very good stratagem. Um, only if you're taking bikes, though. Because uh, it can only be used on bikers, and it's 2 CP. Uh, and you have to be using a big unit of bikes to really get your money out of it. Um, it is allowing a unit to fall back um, after fighting, so you can kind of like charge in and run away with the unit of bikes, which is really cool. Um, the problem is, is the bike units are expensive in points, so it's more of a build-around stratagem rather than one that you're casually using for benefit throughout the go. It's going to be one where you're going, I want to build my list to use the Hounds of Huron stratagem, and then you do that. It's not a, oh, I, I have this stratagem that allows me to do this, let me just do it. All right. And uh, just as a side note, our, um, cause I mean, having seen chaos Marines the last couple of years, chaos Marine bikers were not something that were really out. I mean, I, I remember when they were big in you know, third edition, but they are decent. Like they're, they're actually good units. Um, there is nothing bad about them. 
they're they got three wounds each now. They have four bolter shots. They have I think four melee attacks at AP minus one. They're only thirty points a model. They're they're not bad, but if you suddenly want to take a nine man unit with upgrades, it's sitting around three hundred points. So you got to give and take of what you want to try to do. And they're also unfortunately bikes, which means you can't go through ruins and stuff like that. Yeah. So it is. It's a bit of give and take. Yeah. Are they stuck on chain swords or or can they upgrade all their weapons to power swords or something? Uh, they are stuck on chain swords. The sergeant can take a special weapon. Okay, so not basically not any different than uh, space marine bikers. Um, they do have a a little bit going for them. Uh, so the big thing is they can take an icon. Um. Oh, okay. And that means that if you give them the mark of Zinch. Uh, yeah, they'll be slightly more durable because of the Marcus Inch, but it, uh, the Icon will make it so their ranged attacks get an extra AP. Um, so all of a sudden, if you take a uh, nine-man unit of bikes, um, that's 36 bolter shots at AP minus one. Um, and there's a stratagem that makes your bolters stronger, I believe, in the, uh, the base rules. Okay. Um... It's uh, demon shells. It gives you an extra six inches to your range and an extra AP for your bolter weapons. So you could have thirty-six bolt shots at AP minus two, which is it's not, not nothing, bad. but it seems like a whole lot of investment. Like you said, you you really yeah. have to plan around this. Yeah, this the bike. The bikes are a build around. They're not a casual thing. You're just gonna have in your army. Okay, uh, and then what's the last uh, strat they've got? Uh, the last strat is actually going to be incredibly impactful some games and you'll never use it other games uh it's probably one of the coolest things about them though it's uh raid supply lines for 2cp um basically you can pick a unit in your enemy's army that's in reserve on turns one or turn two and say they're not coming in this turn so as an example if your opponent is tau and they set up a stealth suit unit with a homing beacon nine inches out of your deployment zone. And they're setting up for this big battle suit alpha strike. And you just look at your opponent turn one and be like, nah, they're not coming in. I'm feeling attacked. Your opponent puts in something that's super expensive. Like, um, let's say you're playing against Marines and they put a Centurion unit in deep strike with Raven Guard or something weird. Yeah. They're like, cool, they're not coming until turn three. So it is actually pretty good. Yeah. It's just one of those stratagems where if your opponent doesn't put anything in reserve that's worth delaying, you're not doing it. <laughs> right. And it is, a, you can only use the stratagem once, so if somebody's playing, yeah. has several units in Deep Strike or Strat Reserve, you just get to, you, you get to pick whatever yeah. you think is the juiciest one and put that one on hold. Yeah, it can. The big thing is, is it can help you um, survive a turn one alpha strike uh, if your opponent is trying to set that up. Um, most chaos lists are actually starting at zero CP, but I made sure that my list started at one CP. So when it ticks over the turn one, I get my second CP and I can use this to help against alpha strikes. Um, so th it's got uses, but like I said, it's going to be incredibly impactful some games and then just completely useless majority of the time. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a toolbox contingency yeah. thing, not something you're going to rely on. Yes. All right. And then uh, Red Corsairs have their own um, 
pirate raiding fleet specific secondary objective raid. This and one raid. is so cool. Uh, it's got it's dripping with flavor. It is one of the coolest secondaries that I've seen. Oh, I haven't read it, so give us give us the rundown. It's a mini game within a game, and I adore it. It's going to be one that's probably passed over a lot of the times, but in certain missions, it'll actually be pretty decent. So it, it's it's a little lengthy, so stick with me here. If you select this objective, Red Corsair Infantry and Red Corsair Biker Units can attempt the following action. Raid and Reeve. One or more Red Corsair Infantry or Biker Units from your army can start to perform this action at the end of your movement phase. Each unit from your army that starts to perform this action must be in range of a different objective marker that has not been raided by your army. A unit cannot start this action if their enemy units, excluding aircraft, in range of the same objective marker. The action is completed at the start of your next command phase or at the end of the battle, whichever comes first, provided the unit performing the action is still in range of the same objective marker. If completed, that objective marker is said to have been raided by your army until the end of the battle. That unit performed the action is said to be carrying spoils of war. Each time a unit from your army completes the Raid and Reeve action, if the objective marker that was raided as a result was wholly in your own deployment zone, score 1 victory point. If the objective marker was wholly in the opponent's deployment zone, score 3. Otherwise, score 2. At the end of the battle, score 1 victory point for every Red Corsair unit from your army that is carrying spoils of war. Score 2 victory points instead of that unit or transport model it is embarked within is wholly within your deployment zone. You're digging for buried treasure and taking it home. I love this. That is, yeah, the, the fact that you <laughs> summed it up perfectly. You're digging for buried treasure, and then you're running it back to your pirate, uh, <laughs> your pirate lair in your deployment zone. It is so cool. There's, it sounds bad, and most missions it will be, but there are certain missions where all of the objectives or almost all of the objectives are in no man's land, which means. If you do the action on the objective and get the unit back to your deployment zone and it lives, it's four victory points for one. Yeah. So if you do it twice, that's eight. That's what you're expecting for an R&D almost. If you do it three times, you're sitting at a 12 and you're feeling happy. Yeah. So like, uh, I think it's scouring has five objective markers and they're all in the midfield. Yeah. Like none are in someone's deployment zone. That's not impossible. And no. uh, vital intelligence. You got that four down the center. That's also like doable. And it also completes at the end of the game. So if you go second, uh, you can just run out onto all the objectives and try to dig up some buried treasure at the end of the game. It's cool. I, I like it. It won't be picked a lot, but there will be times where you're like, hey, this won't be that bad here. And you'll pick it. Is there a, I'm wondering just as a combo, is there a strat in the book that similar to um, Guerrilla Warfare? Or or um, no wall of mirrors where you can take a unit off the table and redeploy them back in your deployment zone. No, that's why Red Corsairs really like having units like Raptors or Bikers. Okay, all right. So, um, which actually your your comment leads into a great question, which is, what does your list? You know, you don't have to give away all the uh, Fuck. all the fun I don't details, mind. but uh, yeah. So, what is what is the the list you're working on? What does it look like? What's it got in it? So my list. Um, we also have one last thing we haven't actually talked about for Red Corsairs. I don't know if you want me to go over that first. Yeah, what I missed. Huron Blackheart. Oh, that's right. There is the specific character. And he is actually in my list. And really? uh, I actually okay. really like him. So Huron is 140 points, which is 
slightly above what I would want to pay for him. I'd rather pay like 130, 120 for him, but 140 is it's not bad. Uh, he's sitting at a Chaos Lord stat line, uh, except for he's Toughness 5, which not a lot of people realize. Uh, that's because most of his body is cybernetic from uh, when he got injured in the Badab War. He's got 7 attacks, which is a lot. Yeah, that's not nothing um, to sneeze at. He has an inbuilt Heavy Flamer, which because of the uh, Let the Galaxy Burn rule is D6 plus 2 shots, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's got a plus two, minus two, damage two axe, which at seven attacks is not terrible. And he's also got the Tyrant's Claw, which is AP minus two at strength user damage one, but it uh, doubles his attacks. So if you're going against like Chaff, you can just put out 14 attacks, which again is it's not bad. <laughs> no, not at all. Especially when you're hitting on twos. I mean, yeah. it's only strength four, but you're still... 14 attacks is still 14 attacks. 14 attacks is still 14 attacks. And if you are, like you said, going against, you know, chaff, that may, it's likely going to be something that's toughness three. Or if so, you're going against something that has damage reduction, your damage two axe isn't going to help you that much. Just hit him 14 times. Yeah. Uh, he is a Chaos Lord, so he's got the six inch aura of reroll once. He has a four up invulnerable save, just like a Chaos Lord. Uh, but then he's got two special rules. Uh, one, he is a chapter master. Uh, so he can look at a core unit or a character unit and be like, hey, you, you get full rerolls to hit. Do better. <laughs> so him standing next to a 10-man unit of Terminators, he gives them a slap on the back and they go do it. Awesome. Uh, and also he has the Hamadrea, which is like the little demon dog that follows him around. Um, he himself is not a psyker, but the Hamadrea allows him to cast a single spell once per game. Okay. Yeah, but having a pocket death hex or a pocket warp time or if he needs to kill something you throw uh the uh plus two attack plus two strength spell on him and you send him in and you attack 18 times with your power claw <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's yeah that's and pretty awesome 140 points yeah have you have you seen or heard anybody discuss that because it doesn't because he's not a psyker he doesn't have the this character is limited to you know, two powers chosen from the Dark Hereticus discipline. It just says it's once per game he can cast one spell. Right. So, but I'm saying you don't have to pre-pick yeah. that spell. You don't, you don't pre-pick it at all. You can smite or do any of the six spells from the Dark Hereticus. It is not something you have to pre-select. It is something you can purely do right then and there when you need that spell. It's actually fairly strong. Yeah. No, the, um, that, that kind of flexibility of play is very strong. Yeah, I, I think he's super cool. And he also doesn't count as a Psyker. So um, there's like weird interactions where a Psyker that's ca uh, a non-Psyker model casting Psychic powers. So things like um, a lot of like, uh, I think a lot of like anti-Psyker things are like Psykers within range or minus two to cast. He's not a Psyker. He doesn't have the Psyker keyword. So he wouldn't be minus to cast against that. <laughs> there's like a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it's yeah. I see now. It because uh, I, I pulled it up. It says uh, he only counts against the psyker keyword until the end of the phase. So <laughs> for the rest of the game, unless you do something to snag him in that one psychic phase when he does his one spell, the rest yeah. of the game you're not going to pull anything off against him. So, but like uh, Colexus assassins can like target psychers with their like I beam. Right. They can't target him because he's not a psyker. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it, that's, and that's, also like he doesn't count towards like a, he doesn't count towards a board of the witch. It's it's pretty funny. 
And yeah. if you really wanted to, you could um, not take any other psychers in your army and just have him. And you could take a Boar the Witch and still be able to cast a spell once per game, which is kind of funny. That is funny. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's certainly not game breaking. It's it's very flavorful. Um, and it, like you said, it has that little dose of humor in the middle of it. Oh yeah, remember how I took a Boar the Witch? I'm gonna smite you this turn real quick. Yeah, it is pretty funny. But um, back to my list. He's in it, and he is my warlord. And I've given him his warlord trait, which is the uh, the four up CP regen. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Um, yep. I've taken a Master of Possession, which you're going to see in every single Chaos list because he's super strong. Uh, I gave him the Reaver Lord, which allows me to do the Fire and Fade stuff. Yep. And I took that Demon Prince that I talked about with the Mark and Nurgle. Uh, outside of that, I took a couple units of Chaos Space Marines. Uh, I took a 10-man unit of Terminators. Um, two units of Havocs, actually. Um, a Raptor unit, a Warp Talon unit. That might be it. I might be missing something. That sounds about it. But it's a good... Oh, of course. Two units of five possessed. <laughs> okay. For that, we're going to run across the table really fast at you, advance, charge, and mull yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Possessed have a base movement of nine, so they work really good with the uh, Cors- Red Corsair, advance and charge with the base movement of nine. All of a sudden, you roll three, you're moving 12, it's like you have a jump pack. <laughs> yeah. No, Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you're going to still get your charge off and anybody that was even thinking about the mid board is in conceivably in range. Yep. So very cool. Um, okay. So let me ask you, because I have seen obviously in our, in our group chat, in the VT group chat, I've seen your, you know, some other people throwing out lists, ideas and stuff. Everybody keeps talking about the, the MOP master possession. Yeah. What, what is making him so much more desirable than, you know, a chaos sorcerer? Alright, so, do you remember a long time ago when every single Marine player took a Chief Apothecary in every single list? Yes, I am guilty of that. What if I told you that his revive ability was 18 inches? So he can just, you know, do it from wherever he wants? I'd be frustrated. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah. So he has a spell called, I think it's like Fleshcraft? There's something along the lines of flesh something. It goes off on a five. Uh, you heal a model in the unit for D3, and if it's a non-character unit, you bring a model back. So, hey, my Terminator unit. One's injured. Okay, that guy's fully healed up, and here's another Terminator. Okay. It can also give you free extra movement, because, like, let's say I have a Terminator that's dead. Okay, on my turn, I... Move up my Terminators, I place the new one up front, and then I charge you. Right. Just like everybody does with Necrons or, you know, yep. the, the odd um, Apothecary r- reviving somebody. Yeah, okay. he's also Makes got sense. his second spell, um, which can just give a unit plus one strength or plus one toughness. Which, that's pretty cool. Uh, especially on a 10-man unit of Terminators that are minus one to be wounded. Yeah. So uh, your strength for weapons will wound my Terminators on sixes. Okay. Which, that's a thing. That is a thing. That is a, that is a thing that will very much upset the, uh, the Hail of Doom crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not that happy about it. They're yeah. shirking ca- cannons or wounding on fours. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I dig it. I dig it. So. You can also, like, stab his friends to get plus two to cast. So if, like, you really need the spell to go off, you can just be like, eh, it goes off. Yeah, and so you make the spell go off and then maybe bring that guy back next turn if you're feeling yeah. 
benevolent. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I was looking at it going, I mean, I hadn't looked over any of the spells, but I was just had scan I just real quick pulled up and looked over the uh the the data sheet the other day and I was like, okay, yeah, he can stab a dude and make sure his spell goes off. That's that's funny, but it's not necessarily you know the the biggest thing is the spells because it's uh yeah okay yeah no that makes sense now because I was like all right he's got a five up involm yeah. his stat possession weapon is meh uh, his stat lines decent you know it's very average for a you know he's got a good character. amount of attacks for a psyker he's got like five or six but uh yeah he's got yeah. five attacks which is which is not nothing he's the only psyker that has access to the malefic discipline oh he's the only psyker that has access to the malefic discipline yeah all the other ones oh. do dark hereticus got it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's okay. That's, that's what I was not. And I, you know, I'm not a cast player, so I wasn't doing that much homework on it. I, I do have other things to do with my time. So thank you for breaking that down for me. Cause now I, that fills in the blank. That's get it. Yeah. He's uh super strong. Uh, an apothecary with an 18 inch range is, uh, it sure is something it's, Oh, it is something. Yeah. Cause I remember everybody crying about how the, you know, chief apothecary was oh so broken. Now, granted that was more when, you know, he was re- reviving bikes, but, um, and the, uh, the occasional ATV, but, uh, okay. Uh, so we've gone over your list. Um, so what do you think just whether it's in your list or not in your list or, you know, for, for, for people who are listening to this and going, right, Corsair sound cool. Um, what do you think are like two or three of the best units that absolutely lend themselves to a red Corsair's list? I know you mentioned, uh, uh, raptors. Uh, raptors are cool. Um, the Raptors are mainly in there to help with secondaries, uh, be it the Raid and Reeve one, if I want to try to big, dig for some buried treasure, or if I just want to do a good old R&D. Um, you want to have a couple fast units in your army, or um, one second deep strike for free. Um, every single Chaos Space Marine army is going to have one big unit of either Chosen, Terminators, or Possessed with the Black Rune that's my one to be wounded. You're going to see that everywhere until it gets nerfed or I don't I don't know. It's it's either going to be nerfed or it's going to be there forever. I I don't know which one it's going to be. Yeah. Uh and then outside of that, I really think Huron's good. Um rerolls in Chaos are stronger than rerolls in Marines. What makes you say that? So combat doctrines for Marines give additional AP, which is super strong. Don't get me wrong. Additional AP is really good especially in armor contempt uh meta as we are in. Right. But the Wanton Slaughter, Destruction, and Carnage? I think that's the third one? Massacre. Ah, Massacre. Yeah. Uh, angry death words. Yes. Um, exploding sixes is a very strong rule to have. Rerolling your hit rolls allows you to get more sixes. Yeah. So, having a Chapter Master buff on my 10-man unit of Terminators that's shooting 40 bolter shots those 40 bolter shots are averaging like seven sixes, but with rerolls, it can spike up the 12. So all of a sudden I'm hitting a huge amount of my shots and I'm getting a bunch of extra shots. There's been times where I've hit more than I had shots. Yes. That always makes me smile when I can pull that off. So I think Huron's good. Uh, his warlord trade for the extra CP, you're probably going to take that anyway. Might as well take it on him since that's his warlord trait. And having the extra free spell um, is just nice. Yeah. Uh, if you want to 
go against like a Harlequin army, you can be like, hey, here's a Death Hex. Now I'm going to go slap you with my 14 Claw Attacks. They would not appreciate that at all. <laughs> they would not. They would um, not Especially when you start getting your Exploding Sixes in there too. Yeah, during, uh, exactly. Slaughter. So Huron's, I think, he's good. He is a tiny bit expensive. I was really hoping he'd be a tiny bit cheaper, but I think at 140, he, he's right around that price tag where you're like, I'd pay 140 for a chapter master with upside. Yeah. Because he's essentially a chapter master that's also a librarian. That's cool. Yeah, once per game librarian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd pay 140 for that. Wouldn't be a, a, like jumping for joy for it, but if I have a unit that could benefit from his rerolls, I take it. And again, the rerolls are stronger in Chaos than they are in Marines. So I think Huron's yeah. really good. Um, I also think um, a Demon Prince. Uh, has more legs than uh, he does in other factions because the advance and charge demon princes don't have shooting weapons at all. So just being able to advance and charge with the demon prince, especially one that's looking to kill Satans or Gazgul's or Phoenix Lords, having the ability to get to them a lot easier is a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, um, I play, humble I, I'm still teaching my son how to play with his Thousand Sons list and his Demon Prince, you know, I mean, I'll throw him up against you know, something Space Marines or Necrons. And when his Demon Prince gets the combat, he wrecks oh, yeah. and he doesn't have any of those, um, you know, Chaos Marine benefits like your like your uh, like your Demon Prince has got. So, and uh, I will also say, Red Corsairs have the best Legionaries out of all the legions, probably. Like the generic dude. Uh, 18 points, you get a, a legionary who counts as two obsec models on an objective and can advance and charge with his chain sword and have four attacks. Yeah. yeah. I, Red Corsair legionaries are just good. Uh, so if you're looking for a faction that plays super aggressive and actually runs Chaos Space Marines in a Chaos Space Marine army, Red Corsairs are really good. Cool. Awesome. Last question. Is there, besides the mark of uh, Nurgle and the uh, you know that you uh, the ner- and the demon weapon that you put on your demon prince. Um, are you running any other marks in your list? Oh yeah, I have every mark except Zinch, which I had in my list up until the last minute where I took it out. Um, okay. Mark of Corn goes great onto the Legionary squads actually. So for an extra twenty points on your ninety point five man Legionary squad, you can give them a Mark of Corn and an Icon. Mark of Corn gives them plus one strength, uh, and the Icon gives them plus one AP. Five Legionaries, 110 points, 21 strength, five AP, two attacks. That's yeah, that's strong. That's pretty spooky for a lot of armies, especially when when five guys count as ten in their obsec too. Yeah, just to just to you know sprinkle that on there. So my Demon Prince is Nurgle, uh, and I have two Slanesh units as well. I have a five-man legionary squad of Marcus Slanesh. This legionary squad has the Arcane Tome, uh, which is the, hey, I have a single dude in the unit that became a Psyker. Cool. Uh, And because he has Marcus Slanesh, he has the Delightful Agony spell, uh, which allows me to give a unit a five-up Feel No Pain. And I think you can see where this is going. My uh, Terminator unit has uh, Marcus Slanesh. And I wonder where that Delightful Agony goes. Right. Can't imagine. Uh, the plus one toughness spell also has a good home there. And uh, 
the heal spell also has a pretty cool spell to go on to. <laughs> so this brick of terminators is parking in the mid, right in the, on the midboard objective and saying, yeah. "Move me, I dare you." And then yeah, and Huron usually hangs out next to him and gives him the full rerolls for the whole game. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, uh, no, that's very strong. The, the unit's strong. Uh, I have thought about uh, actually taking the Terminators out for uh, a 10-man unit of Chosen. Because uh, in combat, they're essentially the exact same. The only thing they, they miss is the plus one um, save and the combi bolter. It's actually the only difference between Terminators and Chosen is the combi bolter and the plus one save. Um, which is not nothing, but I kind of like the combi bolter. Because having 40 shots that are full rerolls because of Huron exploding sixes. If anyone has any chaff units just hanging around, you can just pick them up. Yeah, right, yeah. Drone, a uh, couple of gun drones, or like yeah. Kyle likes to throw out, or. Uh, 40 yeah. bolter rounds may not be scary to Marine players in cover, but as an Eldar player, if I see 40 rerolling hit bolter, bolter rounds sitting in the center of the table, I'm thinking about my life twice. <laughs> Any one of my LR units died of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very well said. So, all right. Uh, dude, Matt, this has been awesome. You have give, definitely opened my eyes to what Red Corsairs are, are capable of. I love it. Um, any last minute thoughts you want to throw out there? Uh, yeah. Um, Red Corsairs, you don't have to play like all the other Chaos Armies, I think is the best way of putting it. You can run an Eldari, Dark Eldari style of Chaos Army and like really get in there. If you want to take a bunch of Rhinos and play kind of like Dark Eldar, you could. If you want to take a bunch of characters and tool them up, you could. There's a lot of different ways you could play Red Corsairs. I'm just leaning towards my play style. Yeah. It's funny that you compared them to Eldar and Drakari. And when I was um, listening to all this and, and you know the talk about bikers, all that, I was like, they're basically Chaos White Scars. But kind of. Yeah, um, but I actually, Definitely I actually, better. I actually played against White Scars with my Red Corsairs. Um, and one thing Red Corsairs can do uh, is count as two on objectives, and the White Scars do not. Right. So we're both advancing and charging, but my units just count as double on the objectives, and it, we really felt that that game. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, if you're gonna go, that's that's almost a mirror match, and you're gonna definitely win out on the. Uh, on the holding objectives front. Yeah, he also just decided not to fight for the center of the table because there's 10 angry Terminators there. Yeah, which <laughs> n- almost nothing in the Space Marine army can deal with that very... Not, not in a They can deal with it, but not, but not quickly or efficiently. No, never, neither of those. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, Matt, thank you for all of this. Thank you for uh, reassuring me that keeping my rail rifles on my Pathfinders is an important life choice. Yes. Um, even though I'm not even sure that's going to do anything against Terminators. But uh, so before we get out of here, where I'm going to turn it over to uh, James from Siege Studios for our Battle Ready segment. Okay, James, I've got another question for you today. Cool, let's do it. You ready? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Decals, talk to me. I love them. They're brilliant. They add loads to models. Uh, a lot of people don't, don't do them. Um, I feared them, mate, for a while, for uh, a long time. Really? Yeah, they're Just great. They, they really are cool. Like, like, yeah, I, I totally get that. I think that's because of that. In the past, you'd see them and they're that very shiny on on the surface of models, um, and that's totally understandable because it kind of looks like you put a decal or, or a transfer on. Um, so yeah, I, I get that totally, and I know lots of people that have steered clear of them because of that. 
Um, but there's this great, great product called Microsell Microset. I'm sure some of you listening have heard of it. Um, it comes from scale modeling and it's designed to, to essentially not melt, but it kind of thins the transfer ever so much uh, and just gets rid of that sheen. It's a chemical, two-part chemical reaction that sort of makes the backing sheet or the transparent film that the transfer is or the pigment of the transfer is printed onto. It makes it uh, disappear to an extent. It doesn't permanently get rid of it, but it just thins it or just wilts it down a little bit so that it doesn't have that shiny, horrible finish. You've got to gloss varnish your models first. So if those of you without airbrushes, I'd recommend that you don't do this until you, you airbrush. Um, and if you're doing like pads on marines, that's quite easy to do with a brush, just watering down some gloss varnish, like a 50-50 kind of mix. Um, but I would always recommend doing it with an airbrush uh, if you're doing tanks and things like that, because then you put on a nice, solid, consistent layer of gloss varnish over the model. And if you're working methodically, when you do that gloss varnish from previous uh, or other episodes we've spoken about, um, you can do all your pin shading and shading on the models when it's gloss varnished as well. Um, so yeah, so I, I'd always recommend doing it. You've got to protect the model if you're using that liquid. I, 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 there are other manufacturers who make liquid, like for example, like Vallejo, I've got Decal Softener. Um, I, I personally, and this is just obviously my experience, I've always used Microsoft Microset. I come from my granddad teaching me how to make airfix kits from a very young age, and I've used a very similar liquid back then. Um, so Microsoft Microset. Microsoul is one product. Yep, and Microset is another. Right, okay, and they're different colours, aren't they? Yeah, one's red, one's blue. So okay, you just apply it with a brush or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just apply it with a brush. So you put the the first things. The process is really simple. You put on the uh, you put on, you've got your models gloss varnished, uh, or the area that you're applying the transfer is gloss varnished. You um, you then um, you then basically uh, will uh, put on the the cut the transfer out, get the transfer wet. I would always recommend that you uh, that you don't put your transfer in a cup of water or something like that. I'd always recommend that you um, that you essentially get a paper towel, wet the paper towel, put the transfer on that, and it will naturally absorb the moisture from the from the paper towel that you've wetted. Um, I wouldn't recommend putting the transfer just in a cup and it floating around and you practicing fishing for half an hour. Um, the best thing to do is to literally just uh, damp- dampen the paper ever so slightly. The transfer will come loose because uh, it's, it's a very old transfer sheet, in which case just leave it for a while. Um, and then what you do is you just apply the set, which is the blue one, so the first of the two-part mix. You apply that to the surface. Um, your transfer should be loose by now. Then literally take your transfer off the backing sheet, place it on top of the set, and then just do a nice perimeter cover of the set, and that will fix the transfer in place, hence the name micro set. Once that's done, a couple of minutes, literally then get the sole, which is the red one, um, and then literally do a nice, smooth, thin layer of that over the top and then leave it. The natural chemical reaction will then start doing the job that it does, which is just thinning and softening that um, that uh, that transfer down. I tend to do this at the end of a painting session or at the end of a day, so I can leave it overnight till the morning. Uh, in the morning, you'll come back and see that the transfers are nice and flush, um, and they will literally look really smooth to the surface of the, of the object. You will need to matte varnish the entire model to, to finally seal it in. And also it just aids in hiding any little bit that has maybe not, not sort of thinned down or, or sort of hidden as much as it, you'd hope. If you want to, you can add another layer of sole over the top and that chemical reaction will still work and it will thin it again even more. Um, so yeah, try that, enjoy it, and then just do transfers on everything. You'll be putting transfers everywhere after you've used it once. Right, brilliant. But one more question. Yeah, yeah. What do you use to get said transfer onto the model? I've tried tweezers. I've tried a brush. 
What do you use? Because I, I use tweezers. I literally pick the piece of paper up and then with my thumb, I'll slide the transfer to the edge. And then once the once I'm holding the paper with the backing sheet with the transfer on it, and then it's half on, half off the sheet, I'll introduce it to the space. And then what I'll do is I'll literally either use my finger or I'll use a brush to then push the transfer onto another model, basically, onto the model. Right. Brilliant, James. Thank you so much, mate. That was really no useful. Good, good. I think I've accidentally put my soul in my set the wrong way around. It's all right. We all do it. No, I know. <laughs> so I'll see you next week. See you next week. Take care. All right. Thank you, James, yet again. And thank you again for uh, all your help today um, in our uh, tutorial session this afternoon. Uh, and that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode. I huge thank you to Matt Laura for coming on and uh, helping me uh, learn all about and, and helping us all better understand the threat that is the Red Corsairs. It's certainly not necessarily going to be a meta choice, I think, at least not right away. But I think we all understand now that uh, thanks to Matt's um, insight that they are definitely some, a, a threat to be respected. So uh, we're going to continue um, on this show to do these deep dives into each of the Chaos uh, Legions over the next week or two. Uh, I know Steve's ready to go with Emperor's Children and Black Legion. Uh, Mike Costello is going to be back to talk uh, Night Lords. I'm not sure who's going to do the others, uh, but we're going to get through in the next couple of weeks um, because beyond that, I am not sure. Uh, obviously, GW has been putting up lots of uh, new leagues of Votan units. That new ATV thing looks amazing. Uh, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they showed us the cover of the Chaos Demons book. So it seems like that might be the next codex that we have to review. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, just stand by. It's going to get crazy in these next few weeks. Uh, and I still have plans for other episodes we haven't even got to because we've been reviewing all this new stuff. So it's been great. So anyway, until then, uh, this is Dave Colmel for Matt Laura and Vanguard Tactics saying... I may be, without a doubt, the worst podcaster you've ever heard, but you have heard of me. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you soon.